0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our super high quality podcast. A couple of notes. I accidentally deleted uh, all of our, not accidentally, I deleted all of our files for the podcast without thinking that I would need them. Um, I do need them because they have the sound clips for the music and um, the outro. So um, I don't really feel like editing that right now. So what you're about to hear is kind of an awkward episode without music or an outro. Um, Also, at some point, my sound is like off and on because of headphones versus not headphones. and I didn't have my microphone with me. Anyway, welcome to the episode. It'll be better next week, maybe. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Wolf Disney, a holiday episode. Um, Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Tis the season to be Irish, Irish, I had a better opening than this. (laughs) Um, We are doing a special episode for uh, St. Patrick's Day and it is a movie, which is good because that's part of what we're doing in this journey. Um, And the movie is called, it has a name. The movie is called Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Um, And so I think that was what? i'm natalie oh sorry (laughs) i'm sarah and apparently holiday episodes get me all kerfuffled um but i think that in our very first episode when we looked at all the different um movie titles that was one that stood out to us yeah i believe it was because i think natalie's questions were how little are these people yes um and we found out we found out for this episode um also special shout out to our friend scott Stedman, who is um a minister in stanton and apparently this is a tradition for him to watch this movie on saint patrick's day is that right natalie i think so Remember that? yeah scott tagged me in a post yesterday on facebook saying uh wolf disney sisters really looking forward to hearing your take on this very special movie uh which prompted us to to, to say oh crap we forgot that we said we would do that um so here it is we did it though we're making it work and uh we both watched this movie and we both have thoughts about it so happy saint patrick's day y'all as they say in ireland <laughs> what are you doing a, a touch of barney a bit of a touch of no a touch of larney a bit of romance and a heap of laughter is that the tagline yeah a touch of Blarney. I think, yeah. I think the word Blarney gets used once in the whole movie. It gets used a couple of times. I noticed it once. Yeah. Okay, well, okay, better attention next time you watch it. All right. Um, normally we go through all the movies in chronological order. That's the basis of the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But as you picked up on, maybe by now, it's a special episode. Um, also, a disclaimer, if things get confusing between last week, this week, and next week, I don't think weeks last episode this episode and next episode uh we've already recorded next week's episode yes i don't really know how much is that that's gonna like mess us up besides i really i don't think it's gonna mess up the favorite movie pick uh oh no so <laughs> on either movie's accounts uh wait, no, did, I you think pick, good. did you pick herbie I okay anyway i'll cut that part out So here we are with Darby O'Gill and little people. Did you do any research on like when it was made and that kind of stuff? I did actually did no research on the movie. Besides that, my preliminary research before I started the movie um, is that it has a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes. No, it doesn't. It does. And so I uh, color me confused. Is that an Irish thing? Color me green and confused. Shiver me timbers. Confused with green. Green with confused, yeah. Green with confusion. Green with confusion. Rotten. Yeah. I, that's, I, uh, 100%. I am 100% confused on that. Uh, it only has 50 new views, so I think it might be the Scott Stedman's of the world going on to Rotten Tomatoes and reviewing this movie from 1959. I didn't hate the movie, but I also feel like that is a misleading Rotten Tomatoes score. and don't want to ruin it for the diehard fans who have really tried to make sure that it maintains its 100% rating. All right. Um, I I didn't do any research on this movie. Did you? No, but I'm going to do it real quick. Oh, okay. Um, this movie came out in 1959 and um i'm really just using imdb right now um here's some fun trivia for it um oh my gosh man (laughs) already this trivia is like kind of heartbreaking um but i think you can guess where it's gonna where we're going with this natalie based on our disney journey so far um Jimmy O'Day, who I think maybe played the Leprechaun King. Mm, yes. Yeah. King Brown. Uh, Jimmy O'Day and the other actors who played Leprechauns were not given any screen credit. Yep. Uh, tracks. <laughs> uh, and again, this also tracks. Uh, and the reason for that is that Walt Disney wanted to give the illusion that he was using real leprechauns for filming and so he didn't want to ruin anything that might he didn't want to provide any information that might ruin the illusion that these leprechauns were not actually leprechauns hey it's possible to like trick kids while not lying to adults yeah and not like taking away from other adults' contributions yeah contribution yeah you know like
1: i mean like really good leprechaun
0: acting and dancing tim allen got credited for the santa claus because he's a jolly old elf yeah he he got credited for santa claus they weren't just like oh can't credit tim allen they'll get rid of the magic he's santa claus yeah there's no kids listening i think they know that it's a tool man tim the tool man taylor um Walt Disney conceived the film during a trip with the Irish Folklore Commission in 1947. um it's my fun fact. Disney in continuing this uh not wanting to let people know that leprechauns aren't real He even went so far as to film an episode of the magical world of Disney in which he and Darby managed to corner King Brian and convince him to participate in the movie along with the other little people. That was an episode on the magical world of Disney. Uh, Yeah. Um, Was Sean Connery in this movie? Yeah, apparently. I saw him in the credits, the opening credits, and I guess he was this, the man? Was the he man who with the woman? Huh? Oh, Michael McBride. That was Sean Connery. Yeah, apparently. I don't really know who that is. I mean, I know he was in James Bond. Huh. He died. He did. So bad. That? That's what I have to offer. Um but this was the movie that got him cast in, in James Bond. Really? <laughs> yeah. The uh, movie brought uh, Sir, Sir Sean Connery to the attention of Albert Broccoli, who then went on to cast Connery in his most famous, famous role as James Bond in Dr. No. Wow. I mean, never, No role is too small. Never turn down a role, I think, is the theme well he is sir we need to start using his title i did i just sir sean connery Sir sean connery i did um i have a question uh, uh-huh. have you found in your research how many people in that movie are irish oh no did you no i think it's zero <laughs> well no irish. i think sean connery is irish he's scottish just kidding um Let's see if that that widow was definitely british yep um, oh yeah they had to dub Irish singers over Sean Connery and Janet Monroe <laughs> when they were singing that one song um, wow she won a golden globe award for performance in the movie I thought her acting was not good <laughs> I, she seemed charming I okay well hold on I didn't <laughs> understand large segments of this movie like Okay, first, should we tell people what the movie's about? Sure. Do you want to do it in one sentence? <laughs> um, Beauty and the Beast with leprechauns. No beast. There's a dad who gets kind of kidnapped by his own imagination, I would say. Okay. They had kind of like a Belle-Her-Dad relationship. Oh, yeah. Yes. He's yes, kind of like the, the sad man the whole town is, like, concerned about. So it's Beauty and the Beast if the whole movie were about Belle's dad. Yes, and not about Belle. And not about Belle at all. <laughs> and but she Beast, still finds love in the end, yeah. And the Beast was, like, our, just a human. Sean Connery. Sean Connery, and yeah. none of her teacups talked to her. Well, there was that one scene. There are teacups. In the but- movie. Yeah, I mean they're just hanging on a wall. Okay. <laughs> I noticed them. All right, so that's the movie. Um he gets like kidnapped by a little leprechaun. He is the only one who believes in leprechauns. He's the only one who yeah. has the imagination to believe in leprechauns. To see yeah. yeah. Um He he is kind of like a mediator between the humans and the leprechauns and has has kept has kept the leprechauns safe and the humans safe from each other maybe kind of and there's there are wishes i and did some research. a lot of a lot of mountain dew a lot of good old mountain dew oh what uh, do they call it oh yeah because Pit- i called Pit- it patone patoon patone yeah i think so um yeah i thought about looking that up. i did do some research on leprechauns I don't know how to tell Walt Disney this. <laughs> He's dead, so. Is he? Go ahead, Sarah. Okay. Um, yes. A brief, <laughs> I am not doing an Irish accent. <laughs> A brief history of leprechauns, I- Ireland's trickster fairies. Um, and so this is from uh, trafalgar.com um so the leprechaun has long been a beloved aspect of irish lore dating back from um at least the 8th century um the word for leprechaun means a small body so that that makes sense that we saw that in the movie yeah um i so here's one thing that was surprising to me I felt like the perspectives were a little off like when Darby O'Gill is like in the leprechaun cave and there's all the leprechauns dancing Mm -hmm. I would assume the leprechauns are like five inches tall like they look really small to me but then when he stuffs the king in the bag Mm -hmm. I was like that's a puppet like that is like Kermit the frog sized um very confused about that but this website says that they are said to be two to three feet tall, which isn't that small. All I can think of right now is that I feel like this is going in the direction of the time I researched fairies. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. They are related to fairies though. In in the fairy world. Okay. Um, so uh, in order to hide from humans, they are known to dwell in tiny underground caves or hollow tree trunks, which the cave makes sense, but not the tree trunk if they're two to three feet tall. Right. There's, I think that there's some discrepancies um, in leprechaun lore. Um, so uh, they're also famous for being cobblers and their name is associated with Leith Brogan. Which means a shoemaker. And that's where they get their pots of gold from, from all their cobbling business. Mm. I don't, it's not, it's unclear if they're cobbling other fairies' shoes or um, um, people, humans. Um, I also have questions about the elves and the shoemaker and that fairy tale, because I don't think that they are said to be leprechauns. So, have you read uh, how they're doing economically these days with the lack of cobbling? I have some updates, yes. Okay. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, so um, while we might think of them as imaginary, belief in them and other closely related fairies was widespread throughout Ireland. Um, they're associated with the color green. There's really no way of knowing why other than the color green is just associated with, with Ireland. It's called the Emerald Isle. And there's uh, green on their flag and whatever. Um, but the original leprechauns were red. That's interesting. They wore red. They, W-O-R-E, okay. not were, wore red. Um, and also, Get faded. What? Their clothes faded. That's oh, wait, weird, green. Never mind. That's a weird fade. <laughs> Never mind. I was thinking red to orange. <laughs> um, so, also, legend has it that there are no female leprechauns. It's a crazy legend. Crazy legend. But are they immortal? Um, cannot say. Uh, but also, banshees which we see a couple banshees in this movie they're always female did you miss the banshee it was the creepy thing that oh, was like, yeah yeah i didn't like that <laughs> <laughs> um so i don't know if there's just like play opposite each other or whatever hmm. um They are known for their pot of gold, which again, they get from all their shoe business, Um, but they store them at the end of the rainbow, which is why you have to catch them and use them, um, use the wishes, the the three wishes thing is pretty um, popular in the legends. Um, Yeah, and then Hold on, I have uh, a, <laughs> uh, not this one. Um, uh, Mental Floss has an article that is 15 lucky things you probably didn't know about leprechauns. I won't go through all of them. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, they are prone to mischief. Okay, here's a fun one. Uh, there is a leprechaun colony in Portland, Oregon. Sorry. What was the title of this article? 15 Lucky Things. I don't know why they're lucky. Okay, so they're not actually lucky. Okay. You probably didn't know about leprechauns. This is under the holidays section of Mental Floss's website. Okay. So there's um, leprechauns in Portland, Oregon. There's a leprechaun colony. So uh, after noticing a small circular hole in concrete where a light pole was meant to be, a journalist named Dick Fagan took it upon himself to make use of it. After adding flowers and a tiny sign that proclaimed it the world's smallest park, Fagan began to write stories about the spot in a newspaper column. He detailed the adventures of a small leprechaun colony led by a leader that only the journalist could see. The modest garden called Mill Ends Park became an official city park on St. Patrick's Day in 1976. Over the years, contributors have added miniature additions like a swimming pool complete with a diving board. It's kind of fun. Yeah but it's weird. It's Portland, right? It's like Portland it's weird their thing, I guess. Um, yeah. Okay. Is there any but more? I do have one that's really, okay. I have two more that I think are really interesting. Okay. Um, leprechauns have a troublesome cousin called the clericon. Okay. And, um, this clericon wore red W O R E red. Um, Shares many characteristics with leprechauns. See if this is a little suspicious to you. Shares many of the same characteristics, but they are always described as drunk and surly. They are often seen in stories riding animals at night or clearing out entire wine cellars. Um, It seems like a helpful thing to have a cousin that you can blame all of the. What? Who's a clericon? clericon c-l-u-r-i-c-h-a-u-n um so there so this is where the fairy world is divided some people think that these are actually leprechauns who are behaving poorly and are blaming their behavior on these made-up cousins Mm -hmm. and some people do think that clericons exist and are just worse leprechauns so um, we'll see what our listeners what side they fall on in this controversy. Please tell uh, us. But here's the one that I think is the most interesting. Someone claims to have found the remains of an actual leprechaun. I Ready for the I, I feel like I've heard of this. In 1989, a local businessman in Claringford, Ireland claimed to have found evidence of a real leprechaun on a mountain called Sleeve Foy. He said that after hearing a scream near a wishing well, he found bones, a tiny suit, and gold coins near scorched earth. The evidence is now displayed behind a glass case for visitors to see. As a result, a new tradition was born. During an annual leprechaun hunt, a hundred ceramic leprechauns are hidden on the mountain. Tourists come every year to try to hunt down the little green statues. Um, Hunters need to buy a hunter's license beforehand. Um, In 2019, the 30th anniversary of the the leprechaun bones discovery, um, fortune seekers abandoned their mountain search and instead scoured the town for hidden leprechaun pots, one of which contained a real bar of gold valued at 1,200 pounds. And then it says, apparently there are 236 leprechauns that still live in the caverns of Sleeve Foy. In 2009, the EU granted heritage status to the remaining wee people. They now have their own protected sanctuary nestled in the mountain. The directive also protects the animals and flora in the area to keep the biodiversity of land safe. 236 is a very specific Uh, number. mm -hmm. That's what I was thinking. Two times three equals six. Like they're two to three feet tall? No, 236. Two okay. times three equals six. Okay, that's interesting. One theory I came up with. Um, and the final fun fact on Mental Floss is you can make your own leprechaun trap and it's a great activity to share with your children. And so... Uh, we'll- no, you know what? Even if, even if leprechauns, <laughs> even if you know what, they're fake, that is just teaching kids just like the wrong way to interact with other creatures. You don't just <laughs> trap things. <laughs> right but All like right. these are like they're tricksters you can't catch a leprechaun you can't a leprechaun wall you can't like encounter sorry you can't encounter a leprechaun and be like hey my kid would love to meet you <laughs> can you come home with me okay let well, them have some agency don't trap them there's no other way to introduce your children to these beings maybe they don't need to meet them and god forbid it's a clericon it's going to be just a drunk leprechaun in a box. That'll be much easier to catch. Probably. You're going to want to build a clericon <laughs> trap. <laughs> so uh, that's my research on leprechauns. Sorry. I'm, I spent most of the day doing homework for a history of Christianity class. And I think I'm just, yeah, my brain is on humans being really bad to other humans. Got it. <clears throat> no mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. weird man. Natalie's theme oh, leprechaun. <laughs> um, question. Yes. When oh, we I didn't do a, we didn't do a icebreaker. I think we've done fine without it. Okay. Um, when I say hot cake, what what does your brain say next? This is like a match game. Hot cake. Cross buns. No, that would be the two hundred dollars answer. I think. Oh, like a, uh, like a pancake. No, uh, the correct answer is hot cake stomach ache. So it probably would have taken me a while to get there. <laughs> well, it's a it's a saying. Um, in the movie, uh, at some point, for some reason. Katie says she brings lunch to Michael Yeah, and he's she says I hope the bread isn't too hot and he says that's okay I love hot bread and she says no oh my gosh don't you know what the danger of hot bread or don't you know yeah. what they say about hot bread or she it does was something to the she point where say, I wrote it down and I was like, what? what's wrong with hot bread? Yes. She does say the dangers of hot bread because I wrote that down word for word. Um, I did too. And so no, I- hazard. The hazard. Oh. It's the hazard of hot bread. I wrote that down. Gosh. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so I researched, well, what just are those dangers of hot bread? Um, and upon researching, I also found the phrase hot cake stomach ache which was a uh, easier way to remember, you know, associate hot, th- hot cake frosting melts. That's my uh, thing. Anyway. Uh, huh. That's true. Yeah. Um, so I found two main like essay articles that help. So first, well, the second one is more of a uh, journey through history about bread. Uh, and hot bread. Um, I, did find, I did find an article um, from 1958 in the Scientific American, um, which was one year before this movie came out. Yeah, so I thought I was really onto something, but that's just a coincidence. <laughs> um, because the movie is not set in '59, which I'm just realizing now that that wouldn't make sense anyway. Definitely not. Um, so this was published in June of 1958 and the scientific American, uh, and it's called unhealthiness of hot bread. Um, Dr. JG Blunting has published some very interesting and useful facts in relation to the digestion of the human stomach. What very interesting and useful are pretty bold <laughs> statements to make from the get go. Deduced from his experiments with St. Martin, the man with an enlarged bullet hole in his side through which can be seen all the processes of digestion. More on that later. And speaking of the nutritious property of farinaceous food in the proper state in which it most e- is most easily digested, he gives the following excellent advice. Hot bread never digests. Bear this in mind, reader, if you are accustomed to eat the light and tempting biscuit at tea or the warm loaf, which looks so appetizing upon your breakfast table, hot bread never digests. After a long season of tumbling and working about in the stomach, it will begin to ferment and will eventually be passed out of the stomach as an unwelcome tenant of that delicate organ, but it never digests, never becomes assimilated to or absorbed by the organs that appropriate nutrition to the body. Uh, the above is true, as it had been repeatedly proved from actual observation through the side of Alexis Saint Martin. Um, so I'm kind of confused, really, by this paragraph. It's that's the whole essay, article, or whatever. Uh, but Dr. J.G. Blunting uh, in 1958—that's 200 years after Alexis Saint Martin, the man with the uh, hole in his side, lived. So I don't know. And my research didn't really seem to indicate that people were truly following this um, in the 1900s. Um, I mean, like, why would that be? So, well, just a quick sidestep. Um, Alexis St. Martin isn't really the that involved in this whole report about hot bread, but I did then have to research Alexis St. Martin. Um, and and I listened to an episode of Sawbones, um, people should listen to, um, and he was a Canadian, um, Voyager. He, uh, sold beaver pelts, you know, it's always beaver pelts with Canada in that time of of that year, (laughs) that time of, uh, history. Are you being serious? I think that might be true. Yeah, no, it's always beaver pelts. Okay it's not for some reason it's not on here um yeah so he was um uh he was shot in the side in near fatal accident in 1822 and William Beaumont who worked for the American army popped up and um said he would help uh heal his wound um I think he like must have been I don't quite know how these two ended up in the same room um, I listened to the episode on one point five speed, but suddenly they were together, and he was the one he was in charge of saving him from this wound on the side of his body. Um, it, sorry, when you say the side of his body, is it going through like one side to one side, or is it like front to back side, one side? Does that make sense? Yeah it's no it's like it's like the side like <sighs> like is it left your left side or is it like he went from like one hip side to the other hip side no no okay. yeah that's a very confusing statement to me okay well but i'm back with you okay um oh he oh, beaumont was stationed at a nearby army post he treated the wound um St. Martin was at, as, as healthy at the age of in his St. <laughs> Martin was healthy in his 20s um, and but they didn't think he'd recover because it was a really bad wound. Um, Beaumont explains in later paper that he that the shot blew off fragments of his muscles and broke a few ribs um, and Beaumont was able to I guess stop the bleeding and like push his on sawbones they said sorry i didn't make you squeamish just fast forward 10 seconds uh on sawbones they said they had to like push his like lungs back into place and like move a rib around to like get things back into him anyway welcome back to the podcast um if you fast forward 10 seconds um so he lived until i think he lived until he was like 80 um but this this hole never closed up um but, but so then people could see people could see his stomach okay and but could synthetic. they see like bread in the stomach yes so beaumont went on to do beaumont hired him out so he couldn't he couldn't trade or sell be, uh uh beaver pelts beaver pelts uh and so this doctor decides to hire him as home help or something. Um, but really what he's doing is just doing experiments on him where he would just like, cause he was just like, we don't like, this is science and we don't get to see, like, we can only guess what's happening in people's stomachs when food goes in there. And so he just lived with him and he would just put stuff in this man's stomach and (laughs) like time it and like pull it out. And like, change like the stomach acid temperature to like see how like that affected anyway this man said i have to go (laughs) this is not worth like the compensation um he did like he did marry and have kids um uh beaumont got back in touch with him and he did some more experiments with him um but in the end when he died um uh he was just like his body was just so famous that his family had to secretly bury him and refuse to tell anybody for years where the body was because they were so concerned that somebody would dig up his body, which is a valid fear. Um, But they have since told some very specific science, like academy where the body is. And now you can find it. There's like a placard above it. Um, But also I learned from Sawbones is that apparently we do this to cows all the time, not all the time, but we do this to cows to learn about their, digestion so back to hot bread um we 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 have holes in cows yeah Not, not all of them but the science ones i think some of them do the science cows yeah i still don't understand where the hot bread thing comes from though into it um uh, this other article is from DavidWalbert.com. I don't know, I might just be somebody's personal website. Who knows? Um so some English doctors uh, this is just his like uh, whatever he could find of the history of, of how people talked about hot press. This is the longest research <laughs> ever on hot bread in a podcast. I like, definitely, yeah. With happy all St. Patrick's Day, guys. Um, we're not even like I think soda bread is like a really popular Irish uh food. We're not even talking about that, we're just talking about literal bread that is hot. Okay, hot soda bread that's what this is on. Don't eat hot soda bread. So, (laughs) some um English doctors offered this advice in a 1746 guide to better health. All bread made of grain is never good till it be fully cold. Hot bread is exceedingly dangerous swimming in the stomach, procuring thirst, most hardly digesting and filling the body full of wind. Um, and so this Walbert's uh, commentary on that, uh, on that um, quote is that this has something to do with the medieval concept that health, health was governed by the four humors, yeah. each of which was either cool or warm, moist or dry, and that foods had similar properties that caused the body to produce more or less of particular humors. And thus potentially became unba- unbalanced. Mm. If new bread was too moist, then it could cause you to produce, for example, too much phlegm, which would give you a head cold or the flu. Um, so definitely a large part of the reason why people thought that hot bread was bad for you was because it was so moist. Like it was so moist when it's hot, and it gets drier when it's cold. And it, and you kind of associate that with like something being done, baking or cooking, is when it dries up. And so I think there was kind of like fear of like yeast still being alive. Um, I mean like raw flour, isn't good for you. Um, that's why you, people think that you can't have cookie dough because of the eggs, but it's really because of the raw flour. Um, it's really bad for you. Are you making that up? I'm not making it up, but you can get E. Coli from it. Huh? Read the, read the label on the flour package next time you buy it. Um, so then later in the 1800s, um, the famous health reformer and Presbyterian minister, Sylvester Graham said that bread shouldn't be eaten until at, least it's, at least, until it is at least 12 hours old. Um, he thought the 12 hour wait was necessary to let the bread cool thoroughly. Hot foods of all kinds he believed caused tooth decay and debil- debilitated the stomach. Graham's advice came with a complicated theory in which all disease stemmed from some kind of debility which in turn was caused by overstimulation of various organs. This was before germ theory. Uh, worse, physical stimulation could lead to spiritual stimulation and debility. In other words, promiscuity debauchery. So even toast should be eaten at room temperature, lest it deranged the stomach lining and threaten female delicacy. Because um, there were magazine articles at the time about what ladies should eat for breakfast. And it would not recommend day-old bread and warned stirl- certainly that hot buttered toast was hostile to health and female delicacy. Well, that is very interesting. There's also recordings um, by white European observers um, of the high mortality rate of American Indians living on reservations uh, and blaming it on severe indigestion caused by their diet of hot biscuits. I'm gonna say, y'all ever consider maybe it's your existence? Um, shenanigans. Call yeah. mm-hmm. shenanigans on that one. Um, in 1897, people said if bread, this is oh. the last one. I know that we're far from 1897, but this is where it ends. Um, if bread not made with yeast is sufficiently well-baked, baked, there can be no object- objection to it merely because it is hot. But in yeast bread, unless very thoroughly baked, ferment does not leave the loaf until six or eight hours after baking. So that's, uh, David Walbert says that's a reasonable, it's not, I think like it's, I think you can like be concerned if you want to, but you don't need to. So today, should I be worried about hot bread? No, I mean, no. Okay. I feel like it's one of those situations where people are like, more humans die from shark bites than they do this thing. I think that's, I think that's from my case. hot bread. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's fair. Um. So that's hot bread. Um. <laughs> that's your deep cake, dive into the hazard of hot bread. Hot cake, stomach ache. Um. And Alexis St. Martin. Scott, is this the the hot takes you thought you would get? Um. About Darby O'Gill, hot takes, hot bread. That's our uh, tagline for this episode. So I just, in the movie, I just had trouble um, kind of following some of the plot lines. Like I felt like there were a couple of different plot lines happening. There was like uh, Sheila, is that her name? Sheila and her son, Pony, Mm -hmm. um, who was the worst. Um, Like I didn't trust her from the get-go because she was... A very close talker um like at one point katie is like getting i think tea for sheila and Sheila's like right behind her like whispering in her ear about how she needs to get married like mm-hmm. you need to get married but to my son pony um and i just didn't quite understand like what her dad did what darby O'Gill, what his job was because then like the Lord comes in, not Jesus, but like the Lord of the manor. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Darby retired five years ago, but didn't tell me. And that was confusing. Yeah. I didn't quite get that. Um, I didn't quite understand most things in the movie. I'm gonna be upfront about that now. Um, yeah um i thought for example i was confused when he first goes to the leprechaun kingdom and plays with the music and stuff i think that's when it happens he get he just like pops up the next morning at the house and i was like oh i thought you were going to be there forever well he escapes yeah i guess i missed that he definitely escapes. Like uh, the, the wall of the cave opens in two and all the little leprechauns and their horses ride out. All leprechauns. What? The little leprechauns? I'm sorry. I guess you don't have to say little. All the leprechauns. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I really missed the... They were really little. Um, they escape on horses and... But the cave like is slow in closing. And so then Darby O'Gill fills his pockets with jewels, but then like honestly he has a hole in his pocket. And so he gets through the wall before it closes again. But he has no money with him. But like, okay, that whole scene I was just confused about because it was like, why was he there in the first place? Right. Like it seemed like the king really liked Darby. Right um and it seemed like he was trying to protect him from something I feel like um like I think he heard the the lord of the manor saying that he was gonna get fired or something Mm. so he was like well you can live with us and it'll be fine yeah do you know what it reminded me of what my ambient hallucination oh yeah should tell people about that (laughs) Uh, so when I was a freshman in college, I think, um, I came home for Christmas, might have been sophomore, came home for Christmas and I was having a lot of trouble getting back on a normal sleep schedule because I had pulled a couple of all-nighters and, um, I was talking to my dad about it and he was like, here, have an Ambien, take an Ambien. And he said, take it 30 minutes before you want to go to sleep. And then you'll get real tired you'll just go to sleep and so i was like okay cool so i took the ambien i sat down in our recliner which faces the tv but also faces the christmas tree which at that point we kept on a coffee table because we always bought shorter trees put them on our coffee table so that from the street it looked like we had this giant tree but really we had a small one (laughs) uh so yeah, uh watched TV for 30 minutes, ate some puffy Cheetos. I remember that because mom never bought those. So it was weird that we had them. I'm assuming that meant dad had bought them. Yeah. Um <laughs> 30 minutes went by and I was like, I don't feel anything. Like I'm not tired, I'm not sleepy. I don't think this works. Um, and then I started looking at the Christmas tree and we have um different colored, multicolored lights. And all of a sudden, the characters from Fraggle Rock came out from under the tree and they said, Sarah, we want you to live with us under this tree. And I said out loud to them, um, I can't live with you. I'm way too big. I'll never fit under there. And then I kind of had one of those moments like you see on, on TV shows when characters are hallucinating. And I realized that I had hallucinated that um, and then I went upstairs to tell mom and she was not happy because dad was working nights at the hospital. And so all she knew was her teenage daughter was hallucinating and she didn't know how to help. Um, but it's really it reminded me of like, these leprechauns are like, you can live with us. Like, it'll be great. And Darby's like, I'm a human. Like, is this really the best would you say? It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work. Um, so maybe I saw actual leprechauns is what I'm saying. Well, you failed to mention that in your leprechaun research. I thought they were fraggle Rock characters. Mm. Were they two to three feet tall? I don't even know anymore. I, I mean, <laughs> what is two to three feet in the world of fairies? Who knows? Two to three fairy feet. Hmm. Mm. Um, I googled it and um, he brought him there so that Katie wouldn't have to find out about his being retired. Right, but like she would find out that he was gone. Yeah, I I don't think it was a fully thought out plan. By the leprechauns. Yeah, for sure. They're, I mean, they're really just shoe people. They're not big into the big, the big ideas. They just... Cobble shoes um I thought it was funny when Darby O'Gill is at the pub with King Brian in a sack and he gives he puts a glass of whiskey in the bag and then presumably Brian drinks that whiskey and then throws the glass back up and Darby catches it but then the bartender <laughs> is like, They'll, people will say this never happened. And she like puts the glass up on the shelf behind her. She's like, people will say this never happened. But there it is, the very same glass. I was like, that's just a glass, lady. Like, <laughs> I feel like, yep. That's, I also have had leprechauns drink in my kitchen. Just look in my cupboard. It's full of glasses. <laughs> Yeah. Also, I was like, "Well, there's this is probably the most populated part of the town right now, so I think, I don't know, put a plaque on it or something." Yeah, it's <laughs> just a glass. If I were if I were the assistant barmaid, barkeep, um, I would see that at the end of the night and try to clean it and put it back in the dish rack. Yeah. So, so the Jesus figure in this movie is brian is it doesn't he sacrifice himself for katie he does but so does um darby okay darby is a father so god mm. Mm. and the horse is the holy spirit well the banshee i think is the holy spirit Thanks. were you a fan of the banshee um no but i also wasn't a fan of the horse going kind of crazy either to hell or whatever yeah i didn't like that yeah i thought that the tv was breaking i was <laughs> like, do it color is really bad right now uh, <laughs> i was really concerned um yeah so for those who have not seen the movie <laughs> we get some really really great high-tech uh cinematography um like the contrast completely shifts or something and it's like all like black and blue but you can still see it and it looks yeah. like you're like yeah but, like i watched it in the afternoon and so like the light was weird yeah. in my apartment and so i was like is the light hitting my tv really weird all of a sudden <laughs> like i don't under- and then i was like oh this is a special effect <laughs> yeah so very <There> special <laughs> But it was creepy. Like the banshee especially, she had like long fingernails and was like I like summoning, he- summoning him or something. Um that would have creeped me out as a kid. Like I think It's definitely I- the scariest thing that we've watched. So far. I think it is the scariest thing. Like the actual not like um like a uh, tension kind of scary, but just like actual
1: yeah. Stop
0: rolling your eyes. Yeah. I so think they- they're There've been other scary moments, like it is the, the last hour of 101 Dalmatians, but- It's visually the scariest thing we've seen. Yes, 100%. 100%. Uh, the only notes I have are horses fighting. Horses fighting? Frightening, horse is horse frightening. Is frightening. And then Um, I meant to look up Changeling because it gets mentioned in passing. Um, And I just finished rewatching the first season of Outlander, which is different from Highlander, Um, but I get them confused. Um, But there's like a whole running thing with Changeling babies. That movie takes place in Scotland, which our family is scots irish i have a hard time remembering the difference between the two like there were bagpipes at one point in this movie and i was like huh always thought that was a scottish thing well isn't also isn't gaelic go ahead isn't isn't gaelic scottish right and at one point they are speaking gaelic they talk about gaelic a lot in that movie yeah and it seems to be associated with the leprechauns, but I don't. Yeah. Uh, if we have we have we might get some angry emails on this last. I did Three not months. say I did not say Scotland and Ireland are the same. You got. I know they're me. not the same, but I'm like, I always have to double check in my head. I'm like, all right, Dublin is Ireland, <laughs> and like. I'm having trouble naming a town in Scotland. Scotland? Oh, Scotland. Iona? Glasgow? You're, you're such a Presbyterian nerd. <laughs> Iona was the first one you named. Okay, Glasgow? Yeah. Edinburgh. That's what I was trying to think of. That one. Um, anyway. So, uh, yeah. Happy National Talk About Consent Day. And um happy st patrick's day don't pinch people people okay i don't do that yeah don't pinch people unless you have consent if you see me around town you do not have my consent i wore the one green shirt i had last wednesday to worship so i don't know if I'm also, gonna it this week. you can't do that and be six feet away from people not that's true how long your arms are don't do it social distancing people now, if you have a tennis ball and you're near Sarah. Oh, uh, no, no. Tennis balls are not part of the tradition. They're green. Mine are orange. Mine are red, like the original tennis balls. Okay. Before they turned green. So uh, what would you think about the movie, Natalie? Would you watch it every year on St. Patrick's Day? Um, I mean sure I mean I have nothing better to do on St. Patrick's Day like with Christmas movies Like we have like, no traditions right yeah like Christmas movies like or um like in our like household or household that we've I've been with for only eight months now but have spent three Easter's with I mean almost every Easter we watch Jesus Christ Superstar and mm-hmm. I feel like there are other things we could watch that are easter adjacent like that's the one that we choose to spend our time watching or at christmas you know we choose our spent choose to spend our time watching Elf or christmas story and not the other nonsensical ones st patrick's day i don't have that many options so if i had to do it once a year i would do it i guess i mean i would, this movie. For, I would do it and watch it again and i would look out for sean connery because i don't think he had, had a role i had no clue that was sean connery until an hour ago um I also though when Darby was in that cave with all the leprechauns I was like this is elf (laughs) no it's not this is elf um so instead I think I will watch elf on St. Patrick's Day wow okay it's about a human being raised by and if Darby had not escaped the cave he would have been a human being kind of raised by leprechauns who are fairies and elves are in fairy culture just kidding i'd like to take back my um answer
1: because okay. i remembered
0: well one of the other options we have i was like what other options would we have and one it's the scary leprechaun movies uh the other option is luck of the irish on disney channel i read <laughs> my movie and that's, A that's the basketball one. movie yep hmm I've never seen the Scary Leprechaun movie. I don't I think it's plan be on. funny. What? I think they're supposed to be funny. Oh, because I was just like, how do you How do you make a leprechaun scary? Because they're two feet tall. Oh, uh, their faces are scary. Oh, I'm yeah. American up. horror comedy film. You know, it's just not for me. Well, me too. I would much rather watch Darby O'Gill and the Little People than the Scary Leprechaun movies. I will say that, hands down. Yeah. Will I contribute to the 100% Rotten Tomatoes rating? Probably best that I don't, is what I would say. All right, Um, so scary scale? Oh, like a eight. Yeah, I would say an eight as well. Big fright. Yeah, the Banshee was very scary. As far as, like, Sarah's scary scale goes with, like, just uh, tension and stuff, I did have a lot of, like, when he was in the cave, I was like, this grown man is now in a cave and, like, his daughter won't know where he is and he's going to live forever with these leprechauns. I don't, I don't think that's good. Yeah. I actually wasn't concerned about her because I knew that Michael guy was going to fall in love with her. So she'd forget about that. Yeah. Couldn't tell how she felt about him sometimes. Yeah. They're kind of hot and cold like bread. <laughs> um, every week. I don't think we need to do it for this one. because it's not And great. we don't need it. This is a special episode. Uh, this was not my favorite movie. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm glad I watched it. Yes, and I'm glad that it is. It holds a high place or whatever for some people. Some people, God, <laughs> it was it was good. <laughs> I don't know. We'd stop talking about it. The music was good. I liked the music. I did like the Irish girl song. Uh huh. Yeah, that was good. Oh, it had a really good. Um, um, rhyme scheme, beguiling and smiling, I think were the two that rhymed really well. It's like, oh, that was really good. Um, sources. Yes. Um, my sources were mentalfloss.com for 15 things you probably didn't know about leprechauns. And if anyone wants to know how to build a leprechaun trap, you just let me know and I'll send you the information. Um as well as Trafalgar.com, A Brief History of Leprechauns, Ireland's Trickster Fairies, and um, Wikipedia, and IMDb. How about you, Natalie? I use Wikipedia, Scientific American, DavidWalbert.com, and the Sawbones Podcast. Fun, Multimedia research. <laughs> mine was single media but that's okay you uh, well so email us at wolf at gmail.com or interact with us on twitter and instagram facebook at wolf disney pod um next week we will have herbie and the love bug next week we will have herbie herbie the love bug herbie is the love bug Ruby is the love bug. And then the week after that, we have the Aristocats. I guess to know. We have a schedule. Uh, yeah, we do. All right. Well, we'll see you next week, everybody. You'll hear us next week. After we recorded today's episode, it came to the attention of Wolf Disney that we gave too many props to Scott Stedman. It was actually his wife, Laura, who introduced him to Darby O'Gill and the little people. So shout out to Laura for introducing it to us.